Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 5 of our Sheepgate Fellowship Q&A, uh, where we're going to try to answer some of the questions that our congregants have. And today's question is, again, not so much kind of like last episode, not really f at least presented as a question, but the phrase or the question that has been submitted is God's protection versus God's sovereignty. So for episode 5, we're going to look at the concept or idea of God's protection, and I'm going to just guess once again because nothing was specified here that um, the protection that they're talking about is protection of God's people or people in general and then God's sovereignty right and that's the overarching um, sovereignty of God his will and his purposes and all those things and um, the word verses obviously indicates a competitive nature between God's protection and God's sovereignty and I can understand there are a few ways we can understand this question and because nothing was specified i'm going to just assume a couple things so if i don't answer the question uh the way that the person who asked this um would like for me to answer the question feel free to submit another one but i'm going to tackle the question the way that i read it and understand it and then um yeah if there's a follow-up question we can definitely deal with that so god's protection versus god's sovereignty i think the tension here or the friction that the questioner is perhaps presenting is the friction and tension that Christians have, um, namely Christians who believe in God's sovereignty and total sovereignty, uh, between his good and perfect will for all things in the universe, as Calvin would put it, that the universe is the theater of God's glory, um, versus um, the fact that, that you know God promises protection and God pr promises, um, I guess, a protective uh, nature to God's people or like a promise to God's people uh, in the Old Testament, we see this with the Israelites, um, and then we see this, of course, uh, in the New Testament, in the church, and the apostles. Uh, and there's a lot of promises involved with that, a lot of phrases in Scripture that we can obviously go to involved with that. So why is there tension between these two, thi between these two things? Well, if God is sovereign, and God is holy and good, and there's a good purpose and will behind all things, uh, why is it? Uh, that we don't see protection for God's people per se, right? Protection from namely bad things, right? Bad things happening. Man, there's a lot of layers to this question that I can obviously go into, like any question. But I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. There is no friction here. There is no tension between this, these two things. There is a perceived tension between these two things. But we also have to understand that God's will is unfolding before our eyes and that all of history is not complete. Right? We're not at the finish line. We're not at the end. It's like judging a book or judging a movie or judging anything, really, without really investigating uh, the end, the, the final completion of it, right? One of the interesting questions that, uh, as a sports fan, that I like to engage with is, who's the greatest of all time, right? And specifically in basketball, there's this really hot debate between, um, is LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time? Or is Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time? And, you know, there's these two camps, these two schools who who argue and bicker and debate these things, right? And it's, it's a very compelling argument for both, or there is a very compelling argument for both sides. And it's more compelling to really debate. There's a lot of ways you can go about answering that question. Well, how, do you, how would you define the GOAT or the greatest of all time, etc., right? And uh, the interesting thing about that question uh, is that LeBron is still playing. Right. Michael Jordan's done. His career's finished. We can assess the totality of his career. His statistics will not change tomorrow. Uh, he has no chance of winning more championships. There's no way for him to edit his resume. 
whereas LeBron James is still an active player. And so I think the question cannot be answered until LeBron is complete, right? Until his entire basketball career is complete, you cannot really fully uh, assess the question fairly, right? You can't you can't put uh, someone who is not finished against someone who is finished. It's I don't think it's fair to either, right? So in the same sense, when we talk about you know God's uh, sovereignty. The classic question of why do bad things happen to good people? If God is so good, you know, why is it that, you know, these terrible things like coronavirus, for example, happen in this world, in this universe? And yeah, that's a fair question. But there's a follow-up question to that. Are you then saying that there cannot be any good reason for any of these things? Are you so smart, so intelligent, so, you know, full of wisdom that there is no perceived goodness in any of these things? That there is no good end to any of these things? And I think that's... Uh, unfair because it's not complete the story is not complete yet until we get to the finish line uh, do not assess things right i think uh, this is a a very common mistake we make as human beings uh, and as christian uh, thinkers and believers we tend to disregard this we have a tendency to disregard this right we just see bad things happening we experience bad things happening in our life and we immediately say there is no good in this at all there can be no good from this right so God's sovereignty, his overarching will and all of these things um, does not negate and it has no friction with or against his protective promises. Uh, let's, let's define these terms. So protection, we're talking about God's preservation. In scripture, when we talk about God's protection of God's will, yes, there's protection from uh, military you know, opposition in the case of Israel. But overall, for the believing community, God's protection of his people is uh, preserving a remnant of faith, right, within his community. So we see this in Noah's Ark, passed down to Abraham, Abraham, his descendants, and his descendants, and so on and so forth. And then all the way to Jesus, to the apostles, and then all the way here to this day where God's people, believers, have been preserved. So one of the great promises, because of God's will and because his sovereignty, we know that God's people, the church, will always be right and that's something that we're promised in scripture i believe it's in ecclesiastes that, you know uh there there um there are three things that will last forever right it's god's word uh the soul and believers right people right people of god right these are these are things that will just on earth anyway will last forever these are things that will be eternal right so we cannot disregard these things we need to understand that there is a sovereign protection over so they're not intention it's it's really intertwined it's connected it's weaved together and so god's sovereignty does absolutely does not negate this idea of god's protection so then why do bad things happen because it is his sovereign will that these things happen and that's something that we believe um particularly as someone who believes in the total sovereignty of god there's not an atom on this universe or a particle of dust that moves without god's will uh without god's will having willed it there is a universal decree pre-creation where all things, you know, before they were spoken into existence and all things are and, and, have, and have been and will be. These are things that God decreed. And so you might say, well, did God decree World War II and, and the Holocaust and, and all the tragedies and catastrophes that happened in the world and even, you know, the COVID pandemic and etc. Yes, but that's what gives it uh, for at least for me uh, in my perspective. Um, 
there's meaning and purpose behind those things. Those things don't happen without purpose. And you might say, well, the purpose cannot be good because my experience of these things is bad. Yes, the temporary experience in a fallen world um, will be bad for cre creation. But in the perspective of the creator, all things are purposed for his glory and for goodness and with deep meaning. Uh, let's look at God's protection then. First, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 reads but the lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one so the primary protection that we're promised is protection from the evil one but then when what about when we go to the book of job and we see you know the devil allowed to tempt um to tempt job right by taking things away his wife his children his wealth and all those things uh, but ultimately what is the outcome of that there is still protection of his faith there's protection uh, of job right and in, if anything um acts as a testimony and has a growth in him right Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 be strong and courageous don't be afraid or terrified because of them For the Lord your God goes with you he will never leave you nor forsake you of course this is talking about more of a military thing uh, but yet again to God's people um, telling them be strong be courageous don't be afraid don't be terrified what is that indicating there will be reason to be terrified there will be reasons to be afraid there will be uh, situations where you're going to have to exercise strength and courage but don't uh, don't allow these things to hinder you. The Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. These are promises in Scripture. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear, for I am with you. It's God speaking. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And of course, you could read the numerous Psalms uh, that speaks on the protection of God, right? A lot of times the Psalmist will begin with, Where are you, God? What are you doing? How come you're not here? And ends, of course, uh, with, him with the Psalmist proclaiming, the righteous right hand of God upholding them and protecting them uh, always. And so this is this is a promise we can hold on to. And this is a beautiful uh, promise of protection. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen. It just means when those things happen, there will be preservation and protection uh, amidst perseverance and endurance, right? And of course, that is something that we're taught. Um, you know, faith is developed through those uh, means. Ephesians 1.11 reads in regards to God's sovereignty, In Him... In God, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. And then Romans 8.28 reads, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. doesn't mean that there's an absence of bad, right? That there's only good. That was once the case in the in Garden of Eden. Because of sin and fallenness and depravity, we live in a fallen world where everything is tainted with sin. And unfortunately, the curse of sin, of course, is living in a world with bad. And this is the will and purpose of God. And again, I go back to Calvin. The universe is a theater of God's glory. Ultimately, these things will work for the purposes of good. But the good that we that we are seeking, that we define to be good, is good for me. Make, makes me feel good. Makes me avoid bad things, right? No, this is about God's glory. This is God's sovereignty is about design in all things for the purposes of bringing God glory, right? So God works all things for the good of those who love him and believe him and follow him, all these things. Yes, but it doesn't mean the absence of bad things. If you read scripture and you read about the figures of faith and you read about the early establishment of the church from the apostles and onward, and then you read Christian biographies of past believers and, and heroes of the faith, these are not people who had lives absent of torment and torture and persecution and trouble because of their faith these are people who persevered amidst those things right 
Uh, and that's the testimony of the believer, right? It's perseverance and endurance in the faith. So God's sovereignty is not protection from bad things happening. God's sovereignty is actually promise, a promise of those things happening, but a promise of preservation of those of the faith amidst uh, those things. And so this is the way that we understand these things. God's protection versus God's sovereignty. I'm not so certain maybe this was, you know, in, or my answer is in line with the whatever the question uh, was initially trying to ask. But I hope I'm at least generating some thought that will maybe answer the question that you were thinking about. Uh, so we need to understand these things in this way, that God is sovereign. Yes, of course, he is in control. And that's something we can yield our faith to and we can have hope and trust in, right? That God is in control. But God's also one who protects and per- and, and preserves uh, the remnant of the, fa- of the faithful and preserves his church and preserves his fo- uh, followers doesn't mean we don't that doesn't mean we don't we will avoid cancer or death or COVID or any of these things uh, it means that even amidst those things there will be a protection and preservation so I hope that made sense and I hope that was clear and I was kind of like going here and there I was trying to organize that well but I don't know if that came across as well as I hope anyways I hope that answers the question and if there is a follow-up question please submit it I'd love to answer a more specific question uh, if you have one. So thank you for joining us for episode five. And I look forward to uh, answering the next question in episode six next week. So we'll see you then. Thank you. Have a good night.